I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work at Home Edition. So uh, normally I use my time at home to interview people, but today I'm interviewing two people because uh, there's so much fun. And uh, so I have Tom Jankot and Sarah Wassel uh, who are doing Booster Fun. So we're going to talk about what Booster Fun is and how, what exactly does it take to do. So hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Okay, so let's first explain. So, Tom, I'm gonna since you you were here from the very beginning. What is Booster Fun? What is it? Oh yeah, yeah that's what is, <laughs> what is Booster Fun? Booster Fun is uh, a, a, a something that we attach to like a, a a set of cards. We have the main set of cards, and we take like a certain number of those and make these highly resonant bespoke treatments. Uh, so we'll make a new frame, we'll find a new art style and, and make something that fans get really excited about. Okay. So I, here's what I'm sort of interested in is let's say you're working on a set. Let's walk through what you have to do to make booster fun for a set. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, first it starts with the, talking to the people that are creating the set, the uh, game designers like you, and then uh, the creative uh, world building creatives, um, they're, they're working on that whole set, like when they're working on a new plane or whatever. And we, so we talk to those people to figure out what's really cool about the set. Uh, and that, that information feeds into a brainstorm, a big brainstorm where we, we go off, we do these kind of half day things and really come up with a bunch of ideas um, for, uh, cool, resonant things. Um, then we do. You want me to go on? Then we go. Uh, then we go to. We we create some proof of concepts. Uh, we test those with some um, magic players uh, to see which ones are working well. Uh, and then we align them to cards in the set. Um, uh, then we commission the art. So it's a, a gross oversimplification that's like months and months and months in the making. But that's the basics. That's the top level. Okay, so Sarah, what what makes a good booster fun? Like, what, what I mean, you guys have done a bunch of these. What what are you looking for when you you make booster fun? Well, we're looking for a couple things. Like, a main thing is we want real like visual resonance with like the set itself, right? With the world, with the feeling of it, with the vibe of it. So, like, the perfect situation is when we can find some kind of art style that fits really well with it. And like um, Streets of New Capenna is like a great example, right? Because we had that like demon mobster, like urban kind of noir vibe happening. And then, you know, there's this like art deco is such a strong visual style that it fits so perfectly with that. And it was just like the floodgate opened of all these amazing artists and all these like really cool visual things we could do with that that didn't look like main set art, right? There was just like this really fertile ground for it. So I would say that like fitting in the world visually is a big deal and also um, stuff that is exciting, you know, both for us as we're brainstorming and within the studio when we share ideas with other people, like the best thing ever is when I start to get a bunch of sketches or a bunch of final art in and like people walking by in different departments, I can pull them over and be like, hey, you want to see something? And they'll see like 10 of these new pieces together and they'll be like, oh my gosh, these are so fun to look at. These are so exciting. And then when they, you know, when they open the packs, that same feeling keeps happening. So that's, those are kind of like the two most important things I would say that we're, we're trying to do. Yeah. One of the things you brought up, which is really interesting is we have an amazing pool of artists, but 
there are a lot more artists out there than our, our, our normal pool of artists. Uh, talk a little bit about, the, this lets you guys tap into stuff we don't normally get to do. So talk a little bit about getting to go outside magic sort of art, artistic norm, if you will. Yeah. Go on, Tom. Oh, I'm Tom. Um, go on. Uh, say something well, we, good. Say something good. So much pressure. <laughs> um, so we, uh, so, you know, it's, we're constantly on the lookout for artists. Um, we also love art. So like our, some of our pastimes are scrolling through Instagram, for instance, and just really seeing some cool artists. But when we have something specific in mind, like uh, Sarah was mentioning, like the Devil Monsters, one of the one of the most uh, resonant examples I think of is when we went to Kaldheim, the Viking world, and we made a not work like not work frame, Viking frame, when we use this kind of like metal, death metal art. Like, so we knew that's what we wanted. So we go out and we look for these artists. We look for these artists that do that thing. Um, and we inevitably run into all of these artists that are doing crazy, beautiful things, but just don't normally have a home in like main set magic. And so it gives us a chance to work with these new artists, expand that edge, uh, expand that art style that we're using. And a lot of times, which is really cool, we'll we'll find somebody that works well in Booster Fun, and they'll end up doing stuff in the main set, which is just so great for us. So yeah. one one of the things that I know, because um, I participating behind the scenes is for any one idea you do do, there's lots of ideas you don't do, and I, I don't think let's walk a little. I just want to walk a little bit through this because I know it's interesting. Like, how many ideas do you for? Let's say for a premiere set. How many ideas do you guys explore before? And, and, and then how many do you tend to pick? So what do you start with and what do you end up with? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's um, a good question. Early on for Booster Fun, we were looking for that one golden idea. Uh, but we found that there's a lot more room uh, for ideas. So um, if I answer the second question first, uh, we usually end up with two to three ideas for a set. Um that seems to be about, you know, the, the, that right moment, like where we're making the best ideas. But as far as uh, groups of ideas, I was just pouring through some uh, uh, our last brainstorm, kind of cleaning it up for review. And I mean, there's like 40 ideas in there um, and they're all good, but it's just what's going to fit the cards the best. Right. What's what people are going to respond to the best. So. Um, 40 and three, those are, that's the answer. Sarah, do you have, have anything to add to that? I do actually, because you said like, I don't want to, um, like inflate your ego or anything, but you said something really smart. Like this week at some point we were talking about like, you know, the process really hard not to inflate my ego. Well, (laughs) I don't want you to get drunk with power. That's really like, I'm thinking of you in the moment. I'm trying to be supportive. Um, but we, like as Tom detailed this process of like all this listening we do and all the brainstorming and like he said it generally, but all of those like kind of steps equate to like some really like um, specific processes that we do as a team, right. To like generate kind of to try to generate the same level of ideas with each set. But the reality is, is there's always an element of chaos because at any point we have to kind of like recognize that all we're, the main thing we're trying to do is make the coolest thing. And sometimes the coolest idea doesn't come up in the brainstorm, even in those 40 ideas. Sometimes we do that brainstorm and we pick three and we're like, these are amazing and we get working on them. Mm. And then someone says something two weeks later and we're all like, oh, that's the coolest thing. Oh, man. So that's, like chaos. Chaos is key. Yeah. 
I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. So, so can we have an example? Can you example where that happened in Booster Fun? Mm. In, in a release product. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I that's the one. tough part. <laughs> I've got a kind of a quick one. I, I think oh, I can it, talk it. about this. So this is, again, like Streets of New Capenna. Um, you know, we, we were working on all those deco cards, and we had like two or three kind of, we had the, the lands versions of them, and then we had the like, um, you know, those black and gold gilded frames, which came with that special treatment, print treatment, and looked super cool. And we realized like part of the way through that process that we needed to do some um, Planeswalker versions in the Art Deco style, but we kind of like hadn't figured out the best way to pull that off. And then I had gotten in one of our first artists, new artists that we signed up is this guy, Tom Roberts, that Tom and I really like initially keyed off. He did in his own personal work, he did this amazing Metropolis poster, you know, from that like 1920s, like really cool early, early film. And so he had done one of the first pieces of Elspeth for the set. And we realized, oh, this guy's really got a handle on it. Let's just have him do all the planeswalkers. And so they were tied together. They were themed with the set. But that was not a thing that we had planned early on. It just kind of happened in the set development. Yeah, one of the things that's also interesting as we talk about it is just for the audience to clarify, there's a lot of different component pieces of what they work on. So... Art is one thing, different styles of art, frames and sort of different visual looks of the cards, and then printing treatments, which is, we're, we're getting into more in the future, so we, we haven't done a lot yet, but we're, the, the future has a lot of printing treatments in it, so we're, we're looking at a lot of things. So, like, there's a lot of component pieces here, like, a lot of what I know you guys do is, is find all these component pieces and bring them together so that the finished product is something really cool. Um, so... Here, it might be fun to just share some stories of different sets. So I'm going to pick a set, and and then you guys tell me a booster fun story from that set. Okay? Okay. So the first one's going to be for Tom. Throne of Eldraine, which was the very first booster fun uh, product. Mm-hmm. What What is your... Give me a, a story from doing Throne of Eldraine. Uh, that's a that's a tough one, because uh, that was before my time. I was... I was oh, is that hired this, Yeah, I was hired into the studio, like, Three or four months before it released, so okay, we can um, we can start a, a set later. I, I thought I thought you had I thought you had done Throne of Eldraine. So okay, I, I will let's jump to um, what was after Throne of Eldraine was um, uh, Theros uh, Theros Beyond Death. Did you work on Theros Beyond Death? Mm-mm, no. Okay, um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep going. Icoria, did you work on Icoria? <laughs> he try again. Uh, Zendikar Rising. Yes. That okay. Was, that, that let's was talk Zendikar Rising. Set. Okay. Zendikar Rising. The first set. set. And okay. so, uh, that was a, that, so that was an interesting one. Like the, I honestly had come on, uh, and the frame was already done. That, 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 uh, I forget what they call it, uh, but the Zendikar frame with the mm-hmm. Hedrons, uh, and we, they had wanted to do like a travel poster style for that. So, uh, it was, it was really quick. It was like that first, it wasn't the first job actually I did. The first one was the first double masters, mm-hmm. which was, which was really cool. Uh, but for Zendikar, um, it was just finding these travel poster artists that, that do kind of like that, uh, that kind of sun kissed kind of like medium to long shot versions of these things. Like so you can see these creatures off to the distance. We've got some amazing things like that co- Lotus Cobra. Um, the, I think the best story for Zendikar is uh, booster fun is that we, I worked with uh, Anato Finn Stark and Dominic Mayer 
Uh, we had those artists. Those That was their first jobs for Magic there, and they did an amazing job in there. And since then, they're doing tons of main set art. They've graduated over to main set. Like, I don't think you can see a set past Zendikar or maybe a couple sets down where they're not in that set, and they're just killing it, and I'm just so happy for them. Okay, so after Zendikar Rising was Call Time. We, we touched about it earlier, but what's a fun story from Call Time? Fun story from Call Time. Um, God, you know, it's it's tough for me. I'm like, I focus on... This is going to be horrible. I don't want the world to know this, but I'm just going to say it. I focus on the negative. I see all those like those little nicks and those things like that. What's a fun thing? Like, all the late art, all the struggles. What was a fun thing? Were, were you involved with the poster, the 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 um the metal posters? Is that, were you involved in that? Oh, the metal. Oh, like the metal lands. So. I think there's. I think that's that's a fun story there. So it's kind of boost your fun, kind of secret lair drop. Mm-hmm. Um, we had realized that like this, as these cards were getting together with the knot work and the death metal art, that they were really cool, and we wanted to do something, some basic lands, in that style. And so in the course of a couple of weeks, we spun up this project for secret lair drop to do those Mark Riddick lands, where he redrew the mana symbols and. Um, sorry, I just found a piece of breakfast on my arm. Um, we can cut that. We can fix that in post. Um, uh, we hi- we hired him to do these lands. We didn't have a lot of time. Um, he knocked them out in like two weeks, and uh, and they're perfect. They're really they were called like the brutal. What were they called? Brutal basic lands or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Perfect name too. Yeah. I, I you you make a good point. That I want to stress to the audience in that. Uh, you guys do the booster fun for the normal sets, but also uh, secret layers. A lot of the booster fun aesthetic gets sort of moved into some secret layer stuff as well. So um, you guys are also working on the secret layer as, as well as working on the, the, you know, all the normal stuff for the normal sets. Okay, so after yeah. call time yeah. was... So, so Sarah, I'm not sure when, when you started. So ju- jump in with story when I get to a set that you worked on, okay? I will, um, I will. Strict, Strixhaven. <laughs> what do you remember from Strixhaven? Strixhaven was insane. So that was pre-Sarah yeah. too. So Sarah will have her time. She's <laughs> she's the newest and the best addition to the team. That said, she's been here for over a year on the team. Um, Strixhaven was like this kind of kismet moment, like where we we had we knew we were doing uh, this this set of cards, the mystical arc. What turned out to be the mystical archives. There's like sixty three of them. Um, <laughs> And we didn't know what to do with them. They, the, here was we got the list. What do we do with this list? There's all these spells like from across the multiverse, right? But it was set on this school world. Arcavios is that? Did I Ar- say that Arcavios right? is the world. Yeah, Strixhaven um, is the, the world. Strixhaven is the, yeah. the set. Yeah, and we really oh. didn't. We didn't know what to do with this. So it was a lot of brainstorming, a lot of back and forth. I worked really closely with <clears throat> Doug Byer to a brainstorm what this could be and and we just get, found this kismet moment where it's oh this is a library with kind of index cards of these spells that have been cast or like you know these beautiful like illuminated illuminated manuscript uh books with all these spells that have been cast like the depicting the first time that they've been cast so of course this the library of the multiverse would uh, catalog all this stuff and so that was our that was our lean in there so we created a gorgeous frame and we came up with a style for the art that was kind of illuminated manuscript leaning more a little more modern some of the graphical elements um i had some help 
with that from Taylor Ingerson with chatting. So it was, it's always a group effort. I think oh, I'll try to hit that point a bunch, but that thing was like, just came together so well and the fans loved it too. So just kind of validation. Like when we love something as a magic player, as a magic fans, that the fans are going to love it too. Okay. So next up is um, adventures in the forgotten realm, our D and D set. So we did some really fun stuff in this set. So, um, what, what's, your, what's your favorite story from from working on the D and D set? Sure. Uh, again, this is me, pre Sarah, but uh, <laughs> she'll get her chance. Once it's Sarah's turn, I'm just gonna turn off my mic. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, so AFR was like uh, our like kind of our first like crossover, one of our first crossovers besides Secret Lair Drop, and so it was there was a lot of material there, right? Like we, we looked back at like, you know, 50 years of D and D and that was one of those instances where we had way too many ideas, way too many ideas to, to do. But um, the development process of what, what bubbled up to the top there were like those classic rule book style uh, cards uh, and just seeing those, that charming black and white art and figuring out a way to like get those, uh, into cards and like with color identity and stuff. Uh, but the, my favorite and probably of all time so far, it hasn't been topped was the module lands. Um, these were like a throwback to that late seventies, early eighties D and D module covers yeah. with those, you know, bright colors and the pretty simple design, that yellow band up in the top left. Um, there were nine of them. We also hired, uh, 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 legacy D&D artists and what do I mean by legacy like the what I mean is like the artists that were there in the beginning doing it so like Larry Elmore who uh, you know from who did all the red the red box art and the original Dragonlance covers and all this D&D art uh, Wayne Reynolds Errol Otis who did the Demi Demi's and uh, Demi and Demigods uh, cover. Deities and Demigods uh, yeah Deities and Demigods yeah, Deities Deities um, just and and so many more. Alex Horley, uh, uh, Jeff Easley, like these people, like that did that art. We brought them back for these old module covers. Um, and one other cool note too, if you notice, they have these kind of like fake numbering in the top. Like uh, I forget what they are, but it's like A11 or you know B13 or whatever. Yeah. Um, we those are actually like the letters were actually used on old modules back in the day mm. and the numbers are a continuation so like if they made a 1 through 11 we started at a 12 for instance uh, i just thought that was a really cute note yeah it's funny i played a lot of dnd back back in my youth and so the the mod i loved the modules it, it uh just it took me back it was great okay so a- after that we now get into midnight hunt Innistrad midnight hunt all right, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a Sarah story here. I think okay, pretty did you quick. I think so. I mean, there's there's a there's two sets and then a uh, kind of a you know follow well, we, up set that you were involved in. We can talk about Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow together. Obviously, they they yeah I think so. Um, so these two were kind of the first. The interesting thing here was they were kind of the first sets where we we always have our internal effort. Uh, for brainstorming, creating proof of concepts. But this was the first that we commissioned some frame uh, uh, concepts out. So we worked with uh, Justine Jones on the, the Harvest Tide frame for the first set, Midnight Hunt. Um, she, she did some beautiful like black and white drawings of these 
you know, this kind of, well, harvesty, basically, you know, celebration uh, with some dark edges and stuff. She did both sides. Um, and then we worked with Alex Bronwyn, uh, uh, both magic artists. They both have magic cards on the uh, the Fang frame for for Vow. Um, I'm using abbreviations. <laughs> Crimson Vow. The, the, the audience will get it. Don't don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like that was that was a really good like it's great to have like additional voices there. Like we can come up with stuff, but we're in a little bit of a vacuum, right? And so like having these other voices contribute to that. Uh, really helped, and we've been doing that ever since to, to like just add in that different voice. Um, the fang frames were the fang frames were super fun, um, but I also love the celebrity artists that we got for uh, Soren. There was a Soren card done by Ayami Kojima, a really famous Japanese artist uh, who does a lot of vampires, uh, and that was a great. I loved seeing her art on that card. So, so just curious, uh, the Dracula stuff, was that considered booster fun or is that considered a oh, different thing? Oh, I forgot thing? about the Dracula stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, is that yeah. do you guys do, when you do skins like Godzilla and Dracula, is that your area or is that yes or no? Back in the day it was, um, but okay. it's, it's shifted to a new team now because there's, there's, there's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in, for Dracula, that was me as well. So, I mean, that's, it's a pretty simple story. Um, I guess there's some fun bits. So I, I worked with Doug Byer again on that, who I worked with the, on the Mystical Archive cards. Uh, and we, we, it's not the movie, right? It's not any of the movies. It's not the comic books. It's there's no. We were using just the book, Bram Stoker's book. So, um, it and it's and the way the book is written, there's not a lot of descriptions of people in there too. So Doug did an amazing job cobbling together what what he had and what he could find to like really figure out you know who these characters are um and then for on my end i literally just went i was i almost swore caught myself <laughs> I, I literally went to uh, uh like a card database and typed in vampire picked my favorite vampire artists and got them all to do all the cards for dracula and it turned out beautifully Okay, so now we're going to advance to the next set, uh, which is uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So, Sarah, did you work on Kamigawa Neon Dynasty? Um, you know, Kamigawa was such a... <laughs> it was the worst for me personally because I was transitioning to this team, so I didn't get to work on it in my old team, which is packaging, and I didn't uh-huh. get to work on it in this team. <laughs> the only thing I did on it was help the in- inside team that did all of the like print treatment research to make the neon ink cards. Oh, well, yeah. so I, wor- I worked on that for months. That was that was a yeah. lot of like development, and I, you know, like just sheets and sheets of samples of different different methods to try to like work that ink into the designs of the cards in the coolest way. So that was like the main thing that I did for that set. Yeah, one thing that the audience just for the audience feeling whenever we do something new, that's a treatment. Like we, it's not like the first time we ever do it is when you guys see it. Like we have to test it, and you know, there's infinite. Uh, there's a lot of like technical behind the scenes of making sure it's the right version. And just like there's 40 versions of Booster Fun, there's all these different versions of trying different things and testing lots of different things so that we can get the absolute best. Um, 
And it's fun to see that. I, I love seeing test sheets when you, you see all the different things. Um, and the funny thing behind the scenes is there's one or two cards they always use. So it's, it's always like the same card, but they're testing yeah. different things so they can compare them. Because you, you want, whenever you're testing something, you want everything to be the same so that you can, you, what you can see is the quality you're testing and not caring about the quality of the card. So yeah. that's always fun. Yeah. So Tom, what, what is the story for you from Neon, Neon Dynasty? What, what what do you remember? Neon D- Dynasty, we we blew the hinges off the door on that one uh, with the number of treatments. We had we had ninja, samurai, we had kind of this neon... I, I've, I don't know all of the official front-facing names, <laughs> but fine. we had kind of the, the catch-all. Um, and then we had those, those uh, Yukioe basics, uh, which are just insanely gorgeous. Um, everybody loves them. Uh, those are the Japanese, we, the ones that, with the Japanese writing on them that has the sort of old watercolor style, right? Is what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. We replaced, yeah, that's that Yukioe kind of traditional Japanese style. And then we have replaced um, the normal title bar with this, this uh, the symbol, the Japanese symbol for mountain and et cetera with the, the mana symbol. All of that stuff I worked with in our agency in, in Japan for, to make sure that it was authentic. Um, this agency, Kogudo, that they've been an art agency for over 100 years in, in Tokyo, which is crazy. Um, and they, we, through us, like uh, through working with them, we got some really amazing pieces. Um, some, of the, some of the coolest things that we got were working with some celebrity artists. Like we worked with uh, Hara Tatsuya, who did uh, Fist of the North Star, um, Tarada Katsuya. Um, who's, who's an artist on his own right, does some amazing things. And then we also worked with, for the box topper, it was uh, Yoji Shinkawa, who's, the, who's done a lot of uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, stuff, like just really heavy hitters, because we, we, this is our, you know, our Japanese set, uh, at least for you know, a while. Uh, we, really, we really hit hard on the, all those uh, uh, celebrity artists, like we like to call them. Okay, so that moves on to Streets of New Capenna. We talked a little bit already about Streets of New Capenna. Any other... I'm so, going to shut up. I'm turning my mic off now. <laughs> okay, Sarah, so any other cool stories from Streets of New Capenna? Oh, man. Yeah, so that, like, for me, like, I came in to the job, and Tom was like, all right, find a bunch of artists for this project. Like, this is what we need it to look like. And it was... I was like a kid in a candy store. Like, I couldn't believe that that was my first assignment to get to, like find these artists that do this like strong deco style and like i i found like people like there's a artist sean pagels that was a big surprise for me because his work i would say is probably the most abstract out of the whole booster fund card set and i was pretty nervous like i think his work is amazing and uh, you know a lot of people have like been it you know in th- or in the studio are enthusiastic about it too but I definitely like to push the envelope. I like weird art. I like art that's unexpected, that surprises people, that makes people think like, I never would have thought I liked that, but now I'm seeing it. I do like it. You know, that's kind of what gets me really going. And so I I commissioned Sean Pagels to do some cards and I and I had people from all over the studio coming over and being like, those are my favorites so far. Those are my favorites. So that was a really exciting moment to see how open-minded people actually can be about art. Because um, I would have, you know, played it a little safe in some places because I didn't want to push it too far. But um, working with, with him was amazing. And then um, Scott Fisher did the most crazy physical um, dragon painting of Zeotora. And it just like he he's amazing because he'll send so many process sketches as he works. 
but just knowing that like I was part of making this dragon painting come into the world into existence that didn't wouldn't have existed before is is one of the best moments I've ever had in my career like hands down Okay, so one last set before we wrap up for today, which is uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate. It's Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. So um, once again, we get to tip our toe back into D&D. Uh, so what, what what are the fun stories from this set? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about... So this one was me again. Um, I think this was kind of commissioning at the same time as an SNC. So Sarah and I uh, were, were kind of two parts of a yin-yang, so we divided and conquered. Um for this one, um, I don't know if there's like fun, fun stories, except that we we dipped back into that uh, classic rulebook style in a big way, in a bigger way. Uh, we did more cards. We branched out from monsters in a cool way. And we got to bring in um, uh, a bunch of new artists to do the thing, like uh, Jeff Miracola, longtime magic artist, you know, famous for his atogs and his beebles, um, did, does amazing ink work. And so he really killed it. Uh, we got to bring in, like, Errol Otis did a black-and-white drawing, old-time artist Jeff D. Uh, lots lots of artists contribute to that that style again. But, like, nothing – we knew we had a hit with the with the uh, classic rulebook style, so we brought it back. And we want to, like, bring things back when people love them, right? Um, but nothing like – we didn't go crazy with this one. So I don't know if there's a – this is a really sad note to end on. There's not a fun story for this one. Well, one I just wanted to give a final note about Booster Fun as a whole, so as our, our final thing, is yeah. one of the things that's a lot of fun, and I recommend to the audience who hasn't done that to go on Gatherer or the search engine of your choice and really take a look at all, like, there's a lot there, and um, it's really, really fun to look at all the art and see the different versions of cards, and, um, okay, so we're going to tease the future, uh, we're going to use code names, and we're not going to say anything about it, just... What upcoming set that, that you've worked on that hasn't released yet are you the most excited to pe- see people's responses to? N- not about what is in it or anything, just what what set coming up that you're like, I'm excited to see people see this set. Mm. Just use code names. Sure. Yeah, use code oh. names. Oh, code names? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would say we have a set called Actuary coming up that I commissioned a series of pieces for. And they, it's a simple idea. But man, are they they getting big reactions and excitement from players in the in studio? Okay, Tom. What what upcoming set are you most excited to see people's responses to? Uh, that's a tough one, uh, but it is a it's a Sarah it's a Sarah joint. Well, we well worked on it, but it was netball. Okay, netball. netball yeah. Is, okay. Okay. It's it's uh it's currently commissioning right now. We all. The whole team, you know, it's a whole team effort, but Sarah's commissioning all the art for this one, and it's the card treatment, the frames, the art is just coming together. Oh, I almost swore. It caught myself <laughs> really well. Really well. It's like, that. is he going to say flawless? Or is he going to say something else? <laughs> it was more Mark warned us not to swear. <laughs> so anyway, guys, uh, I can see my desk. So that means I've made it to work. So I want to thank both of you for being here. Uh, it's a lot. I I really, really enjoy having people on that do something completely different than what I do, so the audience can just sort of hear of all the passion that goes into making other aspects of magic. Because uh, magic is a group effort that lots and lots of people work on. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks this for is having really us, fun. Mark. Anytime. Yeah, and, anytime. 
And to everybody else, uh, since I'm at my desk, you know what that means? It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So once again, thanks to Tom and Sarah, and I'll see all of you guys next time. Bye-bye.